Hello, everyone. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, I'm Matt. This is my wife, Jo. Hello. And uh, if you have been following us uh, online for the last couple of months, you'll know we've been working through the book of 1 Thessalonians, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he started. Uh, and then after just a few weeks, he had to leave. And then a couple of months later, he sent them a letter with some, some guidelines and some instructions about what it is to worship Jesus, what it is to build a church that really loves him and follows him. Uh, and today's actually our last week uh, in that book. Uh, it's sad to, to move on, but we'll be doing that. Uh, and we just wanted to uh, spend a, a little bit of time focusing on a few verses uh, which talk in particular about uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, particularly the spiritual gift of prophecy. Um, and you might, you might have heard about uh, us talking about uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. You might have heard us talking about perhaps the Trinity, um, God being three persons but fully one God. Uh, and those concepts might sound a bit bizarre to you or a bit unusual, a bit mysterious. Um, last summer, we spent a whole uh, six or seven weeks working through what we believed about the Holy Spirit. So you can find those resources all on our website if that would help you and serve you. Um, but we believe that the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in the church, through the church, is vital, is important, and is something that we don't want to ignore. And uh, what I want to do is, before we get into things, just quickly recommend a book uh, it's called Practicing the Power by Sam Storms. So he has a bit of a wacky name, Sam Storms, and it has a bit of a wacky title, Practicing the Power. But I can assure you, uh, having read through it, that this is, book is, uh, is just full of uh, Bible truth about how to work out exactly what we're going to be talking about today, how to be a church full and active in the gifts of the Holy Spirit amongst the people of God. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read, let me just find the verses in my Bible, I'm going to get rid of this. Brandon, can you catch? Good man, there we go. I'm going to read these verses to us uh, and then Joe is going to pray for us and then we will look at this passage together. So this is verses 19 to 21 uh, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says this, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. I'm a bit worried I'm going to fall off the stool. <laughs> don't have like long enough legs to balance. Anyway, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that we can hold on to you because you are good. And we just want to ask in these moments, just as we look at your word together, that you would soften our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear. Um, we thank you that you always hear us. And we just pray that we would just, um, yeah, quieten our own hearts and minds before you now. And just pray that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice, that, you would, that we would know you near to us. We just ask that you would, um, yeah, bring clarity of thought um, help Matt and I as we speak, but we just ask most importantly that you would, yeah, make yourself known, that you would present yourself with us, your people. Thank you that you are a very present God, that you are always with us. Help us to just be aware of you now, speaking to us, doing us good. Amen. 
Amen. Thanks, Joe. In uh, talking about good, <laughs> in talking about the the gift of prophecy, we want to really focus on that today. Partly because that's what the New Testament does. Uh, you can read about the what are called the spiritual gifts uh, in Romans chapter twelve and towards the end of one Corinthians, in particular. Uh, but the most mentioned of these spiritual gifts, the one that the Bible comes back to again and again, is the gift of prophecy. Um, it's something that's mentioned a lot, and it's something that's very important. Even it's something that's been really important to my life, to our marriage, our family, um, and has served us so well in lots of different ways. Even this morning, uh, just for the team here who are doing everything today, who serve so hard every single week, uh, we had a time of prayer, just praying for this service. And at the end, uh, a good friend here came up to me and Joe and said, oh, I had, just as we were praying, I had a picture for you and just shared this picture that they'd had, which just gave us such encouragement and filled us with faith for what we're to do. The hope, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how the prophetic gift does that, but it's something that's been really important to our lives. But it's also something that's really misunderstood within the church. Uh, there's lots of confusion about it. And what often that leads to is people, as it talks about here, despising it, not wanting to use it, of seeking to almost quench uh, the spirit, as it says here. Because uh, in Matthew chapter 3, you read the story of John the Baptist who came to, to uh, announce that Jesus was about to come into the world. And one of the things he said about Jesus is that he was going to come to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, and that's one of the ways the Bible describes the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it talks about it being the, the ruach, the breath of God. Other times it talks about being like a river or a, a kind of a flood water that we can soak ourselves in. Other times it talks about being this fire. And here it uses this picture of do not quench, as in do not extinguish, put out the spirit. And now that might be a bit of a confusing thing because in some ways, on one hand, you can't put out the work of the spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the manifest, active presence and power of God in your life, seeking to work in you. Uh, theologian David Pryor said, the burning desire of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. That's what he came to do. And you can't put that out. As Ludo was talking about a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit in our, our life works as like a sanctifying power to make us more like Jesus, to glorify Jesus in our hearts. And it says in 1 Thessalonians that he will surely do it, that we can't stop that work of God in our lives. So on one hand, you can't put out that work of God, but what Paul is referring to here is these kind of gifts of the Spirit that it talks about, particularly this gift of prophecy. You can quench it. You can stop it. You can put it in a cupboard. You can lock it away. You can ignore it. And you can not, left, not let the fruit of it really serve you in your, in your life. Because the opposite of doing this is actually the Bible tells us not to quench it, but to earnestly desire. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, at the start of the chapter, it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then it repeats at the end of the chapter, so brothers earnestly desire to prophesy, do not forbid speaking in tongues. And that's what we want to do as a, as a church. We want to let these 
gifts of the Spirit, particularly the gift of, the, uh, of prophecy. We want to earnestly desire it as a community. We want to step into the good that God has for us. A helpful description of spiritual gifts is that they are grace gifts, not dependent on how well we've performed, but dependent on God's grace given by Jesus through the Holy Spirit to individuals, but for the benefit of all, and to glorify Jesus. That's what the, the gifts of the Spirit to do. And the gift of prophecy, a helpful definition from that book I recommended by Sam Storms. He says this, that the prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation, speaking forth in merely human words of something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. Now that might sound a bit wacky, and if you're watching this and you're not a follower of Jesus, you might think, what on earth are they talking about? But very simply, we believe that God speaks. He wants to speak to his children, his people. He primarily does that through the word, of course, through this revelation he's given us. But as well, there'll be times in your life where God will speak to you, even as Rachel was just sharing so wonderfully in her testimony of how God just spontaneously brought to mind something she'd seen in a movie years ago, but it was full of actual scriptural truth and it gave her courage in a situation. And that's how the gift of prophecy works. Something spontaneously that God will drop into your heart that will give you faith and courage for his mission. And prophecy kind of splits into... Uh, there seem to be two different types, but before we get into that, I just wanted Jo to share a story of how it's worked in her life. I thought you were going to define what it was, but fine. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, so one of the ways is foretelling, which Matt will explain in a minute. But um, even in preparing for today, I kind of had... Are, um, not that there's been only one occasion in our life where someone has talked about what will happen, but I kind of had already lined up like, oh yeah, I'll just tell the story of how we came to move to Amsterdam. But even in just preparing, God just dropped into mind just um, another significant moment in which um, just someone coming and sharing something completely changed the direction of my life. So I was a student, so it, it did happen once upon a time, many over 20 years ago, but once upon a time when I was a student, um, I was part of a local church, but really not living a life for God at all, living very much in like a student and Christian world. But those two things weren't really, well, God like bridges them all. But for me, they were like two separate things. I was just kind of going through the motion of doing church because that's what you do, but also just enjoying the freedom of being away from the family home. And, um, and a dear lady in our church who was um, very much older and wiser than me just came in the context of a Sunday morning and shared a scripture with me that literally just cut straight through all the things that I thought were secret and unseen, she just came and spoke right into. And there was this just beautiful moment of just God graciously coming, being like, yeah, I see you and I see your mess and I see your sin and yet I've got good for you and I love you. And it totally changed the trajectory of... Um, of my life and where it was heading, um, I ended up um, moving away from uni and um, moving to Bedford to do a gap year to serve the church there, actually met Matt. Um, <laughs> so it was just one of those things where by being part 
of a local family being part of a church that God came and spoke to me through the word, through the Bible, the Holy Spirit then coming and ministering and making it real to my heart, um, but obviously dramatically changed my life. And I just... Um, was reminded of those verses in Psalm 68 where it says that he sets the lonely in family and how God sets us in family for purpose, that we're surrounded by brothers and sisters, mums and dads who speak truth into our hearts that, um, yeah, comes straight from Scripture, um, straight from things that are based in Scripture but that actually um, have a massive impact. Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. Good. <laughs> so as she, Joe mentioned there, and I've briefly alluded to, there seem to be these two different types of prophecy. There's this kind of foretelling that someone might come to you and say, do you know what, God has given me a picture or a vision or has spoken to me about what I think God wants your life to look like. Something that almost foretells into the future um, and calls us into God's plans and purposes for our life. And there's also what you could call like foretelling as in telling of the works of God, telling of his love for us. And actually that seems to be probably the, the majority of prophecy in the Bible seems to be that. And I think that's how prophecy really starts. So it talks about in uh, Acts 15, you read this story of Judas and Silas. It says they, who were themselves prophets, and they encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And that's what prophecy comes to do. It comes to encourage us and strengthen us. I think the main way, the first way it does that is it comes and tells us of the love of God and it brings the truth of the Bible and makes it come alive in our hearts, tells us of his grace for us and his heart for us, just as that dear lady did with Joe many years ago. And there's also this foretelling. So you read about in 1 Timothy, another letter that Paul wrote, to a friend of his called Timothy. And he says this, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that you may wage the good warfare. Later in the letter it says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. You get this picture of the life of Timothy who ends up becoming a leader in the church. There seems to be a moment where people gathered around him they prayed for him and God imparted a gift of leadership into his life. But also that God spoke to him about his destiny, about what God had planned for him. And I think those two different types of prophecy you'll find will uh, uh, come into work oftentimes in your life. And all the time I receive, even this morning as a dear brother shared with us, prophecies that bring me courage and strength just at the right time. And then I can think of maybe four or five times in my life where I've had a, a, uh, someone share with me a word that has then shaped the rest of my life, that has moved me in a new direction where I've known, yes, this is what God has for us. This is the part of his uh, mission that he's called me into, that he's uniquely called me to serve in. And yet the passage says here, gives us an instruction to not despise prophecy. So why do we sometimes despise prophecy? Well, first of all, because we've never seen it used. Maybe you're a Christian and the church background you've come in, you just think, I can't think of any example of this in my own life or anything I've seen uh, in the church around me. And because we haven't seen something, often we don't use it. 
And we live in, in a world where uh, we live in a, a, an enlightened world where we're rational beings. So the idea of some kind of supernatural voice speaking to us and guiding us feels a bit wacky and feels a bit abnormal. And that kind of thinking is often infiltrated into the church that we just think, well, how, how could God speak uh, directly? Isn't that a bit dangerous? Isn't that a bit worrying? Isn't that just weird? So often that means we just don't use it. We just keep away from this. Another reason we despise the gift of prophecy is um, probably because of misuse. So in this context, I think why Paul is telling them to do not despise prophecy is probably because they were despising it. And if you read uh, 1 Thessalonians and the second letter he wrote 2 Thessalonians, you get this bit of a picture, particularly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that there have been people who've been prophesying uh, or are trying to prophesy, uh, prophesy about when Jesus was going to return, which the Bible clearly tells us not to do. So they were despising prophecy because they think, well, why are people doing that? That's weird. And again, you might have been in a context where you've seen uh, a prophetic gift used in a way that hasn't strengthened, that hasn't encouraged, that hasn't done any good, that's actually been a bit negative, it's been unhelpful. So because of that misuse, you despise it, you don't want to go near it. I think the third reason we despise prophecy, which is connected to that, is just abuse. Not that it, we've just seen it misused, but we've seen it used as a tool to manipulate people to cause harm, that it hasn't been delivered with grace, but with condemnation, where it's not been delivered for the benefit of all, but has been delivered uh, to puff someone up, but normally the person who's giving it, to, in a sense, glorify the giver rather than glorify Jesus. But these gifts, particularly the gift of prophecy, it's for the edification, the encouragement of Everyone, not for the elevation of just one person. But when we see this misuse and abuse, the antidote for that is not disuse, but proper use. You know, if you think of the other gifts of the Spirit the Bible talks about, you know, the gift of teaching or preaching, of which we're doing right now, when we see it happen poorly, which I've seen lots of instances of it used not very well, we don't then just abandon it and don't use it. No, we'd say, well, let's try and use it properly. It's the same with the gift of prophecy. Let's search, let's earnestly desire this gift and see how it can be fruitful in the church. And what I want to do is just quickly give us a bit of a vision for what I think prophetic ministry should look like here at Liberty Church. And we've written it down. Here we go, on the screen, just a simple paragraph. We want prophecy that unlocks liberty. Nice catchy phrase for us there. Prophecy that unlocks liberty. We want to be a community that earnestly desires, as it says in 1 Corinthians, and practices spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, for the encouragement and strengthening of all to further the mission of God and glorify God in Amsterdam and beyond. That's what we want to see. The, that's how we want to see the gifts of the Spirit, but particularly the gift of prophecy, come alive in our church. So a few tips on how we can use this gift. Paul tells us here to test everything. What does it mean for us to test and use the gift of prophecy? First of all, we should, as it says, I've said a couple of times, we should earnestly desire it. If you earnestly desire something, 
you don't just sort of intellectually agree and then move on. You, you pursue it. You go after something. If you're a fan of football, you, you watch games. You read about it. You learn about it. You suck up information about it. Do the same with this. Set your heart upon it. Go after it in faith. Ask God for more of it in your life. So we should earnestly desire it. Secondly, as Paul tells us to here, we should test it, which sounds a bit like an ultra-cautious second principle, just to test it. But actually, surely if we test everything, we, we, we won't, uh, it, it's not about bringing caution to stop us doing it, but it's actually helping us to see that you, you test things that are important, is what I'm trying to say. You test things that are important. So the word that Paul uses here when he says, hold fast what is good, that phrase people would have used in the culture at the time to refer to how you would test a coin to make sure it was legitimate because it's of worth and it's of value. So you want to test that it's good. We believe that prophecy is of worth and is of value. So we want to test that it's legitimate. And the main way we do that is uh, in my first job when I was 16 years old, I worked at the, uh, as a cashier at the, the till desk in a, in a shop you know, where people would come and buy things and you give you money. And when they give, gave, gave me notes, uh, bank notes to pay for things, the way I was trained to test it was you take the note and you hold it up to the light. In England, you want to see, you want to see the queen's head. You want to make sure that the queen is there, that it's legit. You hold it up to the light. And that's what we do with prophecy. We hold it up to the word the light we find in Scripture, and we test it on what we read in the Bible. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, you chuck it in the bin. It's no good. We hold it up to the light. Um, A writer, Greg Haslam, said this, that prophecy is speaking forth messages the Holy Spirit prompts within us that cohere with scriptural truth. Any prophecy has to line up with Scripture. And also, sometimes it might be a bit unclear whether that's true. So a second good way to test things is just to simply ask, does it do us good? Does it, does it strengthen me? You know, if I'm feeling weak or sad, does it, does it comfort me? Does it console me? Does it give me courage? Does it give me boldness? Which are all things that the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in our lives anyway. And prophecy is just supposed to bring that to birth within us. So ask does it do us good? I'm going to hand over to Joe. I know this isn't what I meant to say, but just quickly, just on the earnestly desire bit. I think um, just as I've kind of earnestly desired um, the prophetic in my own life and invited it, but also wanted to be someone who brings prophetic encouragement to other people, that like my first thing, you might say this later, but I just want to say it now anyway, <laughs> is that actually I want to earnestly desire God first. Like I want to earnestly desire the gift giver, not the gift that he gives. Um, anywho, Very good. just that's my little aside for today. Um, okay, so just even this week, um, actually last week now, um, we had just were just coming to the end of our quarantine. For those of you who don't know, we were blessed with getting to spend um, 18 days at home with our daughters, and um, 
just, we were coming to the end of that and there was a little in, um, trepidation and fear and anxiety in probably all of us just about kind of getting back into the swing of being at school again, um, of just having enjoyed this time at home together, but then just having to get back into reality. And, um, and I was feeling quite anxious myself. I just, their anxiety sometimes rubs off on me. And I forget that I'm meant to be the one that <laughs> points them to Jesus and loves them through. And so I just was aware that I was feeling quite fearful, particularly for one of them who just really didn't want to go back to school at all. And a friend just happened to message me and she was actually journaling and praying herself for herself. But then God put me in her heart just to be praying for me and just shed some words of a song that I'd actually been singing all week. And um and it just so encouraged me, reminded me that in my feeling alone, in my feeling fearful, in my anxiety, that actually, one, there was other people praying for me, but that actually God sees and God knows. And she just was, yeah, just able to point me to Jesus again and just be like, he sees you, but also there's people who are standing with you and singing with you and singing over your kids with you. And um, I think that's just so important for us in terms of foretelling, just that actually we just need reminders to our wandering hearts sometimes that especially in this season, especially during COVID times and quarantines and isolations and distancing, like the guys were sharing earlier about community group life and just how important that is, that actually we just need reminders to our heart that there's people who stand with us, who hold our hands, who sing with us. And even this week, I was just able to text someone. They just popped into my mind. They were the first thing I thought of when I woke up in the morning. And I just thought, ah, oh, maybe God some, got something to say to them this morning, just able to send them a quick WhatsApp just to say, just reminded of this scripture when I thought of you this morning. And that did them good. And so it's so, so simple. And sometimes we can make it so complicated. And like, yeah, it flows from just this place of earnestly desiring God and then earnestly desiring the prophetic that as we cultivate time and relationship with him, we have a God who wants to speak to us, who loves to speak to us. Um, so just being open to that. Brilliant. I'm good. just going to whiz you through these a few more points of how do we use the gift of prophecy uh, and then talk a little bit about how we actually hear from God. So first of all, as we said, we earnestly desire it, we test it, uh, and we offer it, as a, offer it as a gift to people. We don't come and force it down people's throats. We don't say, thus saith the Lord, do as I say. We say this is a gift that God wants to give you to bring you strength and courage. And we also offer it humbly. We're aware that we, we, we prophesy in part all of these different spiritual gifts. Uh, we don't have to reach a level of perfection before we can use the gift. We don't have to... Uh, know that we can kind of... I've received prophetic words where I thought, like, some of that I didn't, didn't seem right. And, you know, I'm not sure that was quite what God was saying. But that bit, that was really helpful. And you can receive prophecy like that. Yeah, that actually it's not going to be like a written in stone revelation that you have to do everything that it says. So even for us as a church... Um, uh, just a few months into us living here, when the church plant was just a few families, a friend of mine brought quite a profound word of knowledge about what he thought the future for our church would look like. And one of the things he said was he, he mapped out the sort of building that we were going to be in. 
Uh, and not all of it made perfect sense, but one detail was really important. He said that you're gonna, as you go through the door, you walk down a few steps, and then there's a, a room full of red chairs. Um, so then the first time we walked into the Vondelkirk, you walk down through steps, and I walked into a room full of red chairs. I thought, oh yeah, that's what he, he prophesied about all those years ago. And I didn't sort of write down what he said and think, well, I'm, we're not going to have a building unless it has all these different criteria. But when the time came, it, it came as a, an encouragement to us. So it's something that we offer humbly, knowing that we only prophesy into, in part, and we can hold on to the good bits and ignore the bad bits. Also, it's something that we practice in safe spaces. Sometimes, as Joe was talking about earlier, it's a gift that comes to the, to the church, that we practice it in, in, in family, in community. We practice it under authority within the church. Uh, if anything comes that is, feels like really directional in your life, that's telling you something really specific, then go and, go and weigh it, test it. Grab one of the leaders, your community group leader. Come and talk to me or Joe or Dan or someone else and say, someone said this, what do you, what do you think? They prophesied this, what do you think about that? And we can weigh it and test it together. It's something that we do in safe spaces, something you could practice in uh, a prayer meeting or in one of your community groups or praying together with a few other believers. Um, but obviously, uh, a key factor or a key question that some of you might have is, well, how do I hear from God? <laughs> what, does that, what does that mean? This sort of spontaneously hearing God, what does that actually look like? Joe. Good one. Explain, answer all the questions. I will, I, will, I will do my best, but I'll just basically share how I hear from God. And for everyone, it is different. And that's good because we've all been made to be different. But I think one of the key things that has shaped me in my pursuit of knowing God more, but also knowing what his voice sounds like, um, came. And for many of you, you'll be like, yeah, of course. But um, a few years ago, a friend was just sharing just how a couple of foretelling, is that the right one, I want to say, um, prophetic words had come. But in his, the way he was telling his story, they both came of the back of the sentence, when I was spending time reading the Bible. And I was just like, ah, oh, there's a key if ever you were looking for one. That actually, the main way that I hear God speak, or I'm able to bring prophetic encouragement is that I have chiseled out, probably since that moment actually, just regular time in the Word of God. So for the last um, few years, don't know how many, I've just been always working through the Bible in a year. Um, you'll probably always notice that I'm a couple of days behind because I'll miss a day here and there. But just intentionally trying to always just start the day with reading the Bible. And it isn't like in-depth study at that point because I'm like barely awake but it is just like intentionally like I'm gonna set the first thing I do in the morning to just look at the word of God and that might not work for you and that's totally fine but just the intentionality of like actually I'll hear what God's voice is like because I read what it's like in the Bible and I hear how he speaks to other people and I hear um, how he speaks to me and so 
Yeah, the first one is just, yeah, just being intentional about getting in the Word of God. It's not rocket science, but um, it's so often the first thing that gets bumped off the list of things to do when our lives get squeezed. It's so easily the first thing to do. So let me encourage you, knowing that I am far from perfect at it, but be intentional about reading Scripture. Um, I think the other thing that I find super helpful is even just um, just before Jesus teaches the disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he says to go into your room and shut the door. Um, for some of you, so I know for Matt, he likes to get out in the fresh air and space and in nature and walk, and then we'll often hear God speak in those contexts. But for me, I find it super helpful to go into my bedroom or a room. That's actually the only room in the house that has a door that I can like shut everyone out. But anyway, go into my room, shut the door, and then... And speak to my Father in heaven who is unseen but hears everything. And so just, again, just that intentionality of taking time just to be quiet before God, knowing that I have things to say to him, but more importantly, that he has things to say to my heart and be expectant in those moments that he will speak. And I love that it's not like a transactional thing of like, oh, well, I've set this time apart, so therefore, God, you have to speak to me in this moment right now. But God in his kindness so often does. Um, he knows what we're like. He knows how we're made. And he knows that my mind will be jetting off in like a thousand different directions. But in those moments, will just come so kindly to me and speak to me. And I know that if we intentionally chisel out time, he will speak to you too. Um, other way that we hear God is with, through other people. So like I mentioned, my friend sending me a message. Um, let's be a church. Let's be a family who, who when we have that little small whisper of like, oh, why has that person popped into my mind? Or why am I thinking that? Or why am I singing that song suddenly now? That we'd be expectant that God's wanting to speak to us, that the Holy Spirit is moving and wanting to come and, yeah, and say something. So, God's, so we hear God through other people. And then I think finally, it's just finding your thing, finding the thing that God uses. So for Matt, very much nature and being outside and in space. And um, for me, often it's just through um, singing and songs. So um, just having good <laughs> worship music on in the background, there'll just be a line that will just like start repeating around and around and be like, oh, what is God trying to impress on me in this moment? But it is just finding that what it is for you. It might be reading a really intellectual book. It might be having a chat with somebody else, but just knowing that actually God speaks to us and wants to speak to us, but does it in a way that we'll be able to respond and that will resonate with our hearts. And um, even this morning, just reading, um, I'm up to 2 Peter in my Bible reading, and even this morning it was... Um, something about the prophetic and how it wasn't produced by man, but that we were carried by the Holy Spirit. And so just that coming and that when we open our Bibles, when we have a moment just to be quiet before God, when we're out for a walk, just saying, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to me? Would you come and make Jesus alive to me? Just even that coming and asking. I remember a friend saying to me one time that, the enemy is not a gentleman, but God is a gentleman. He doesn't just come in uninvited. He doesn't just come and just be like, right, I'm just going to steer you in the direction I want you to go. But it's when we come and say, God, would you come and speak to my heart? Would you come and work in me? Um, that he does. I'm done. Brilliant. <laughs> Let's just finish with a, a scripture. It says in Romans chapter 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that's what ultimately we want to be, to be a community who is, we want more of Jesus. As Joe said, we, we go after the, uh, the giver of the gift, not the gift itself. We want to, first of all, earnestly desire him as a community and know his love and grace at work and know the gift of prophecy and any other spiritual gifts. They're, they're grace gifts. There's things he's given us because he loves his church. He loves his people and he wants to see us flourish and grow. So I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Joe's going to go and get ready to lead us in some worship. So uh, Jesus, we thank you so much that you're a God that speaks, uh, that you're a God that uh, loves to guide his people. You love to call us into your mission, the plans and purposes you have for our lives. And you love more than anything to call us deeper into you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's a, a witness to the love of Christ. He pours the love of God into our hearts. And I want to receive that day by day. I want to know you, Holy Spirit, pouring your love into my heart. And I want to be a, a tool to help that work out in other people. I want to prophesy and pray for people and see God's love poured out into their hearts as well. We want to be a community together where we use the gift of prophecy to unlock liberty, to unlock your gracious liberty that you've won for us in Jesus Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be at work amongst us. Help us to not despise these things, but earnestly desire them, and most importantly, to earnestly desire and pursue you. In Jesus' name. Amen.